Okay, back to work. This is not work, sir. <laughs> this is inspiration. Well, you're going to hear a lot of my philosophy. I'm dying for that. I mean, first of all, I would like to thank you so much for taking the time to, to share with us and also to inspire us because this, this is not just me. I'm hoping that uh, most of the people that are following us on the, the web will pick up on this. I'm going to speak very general and to your audience as to what they need now because lots of people need inspiration and most important is they don't really understand that they're very capable of being innovative. Most people are frightened by the word. They think innovation means inventions. Inventions are fine, but that doesn't necessarily mean that comes from innovation. Everybody can be innovative. Everybody has thoughts, everybody has ideas. And in this pandemic now, and in this situation now, we've got to reinvent ourselves. We've got to think differently. We have to think broadly and open up our minds so that we can be innovative because that's all we have left at this point. Okay, so just tell me when you want me to start and I'm going to dissipate. <laughs> I have to tell you, sir, that based on that vibe, I will not say a word. I will not say a word. <laughs> Interrupt me at any time, Dr. Bob, anytime. There is no such thing in my life, and I feel in everyone's life, and they're gonna shuttle at this, there is no such thing as a problem. Problems are frustrations. If, if you read that in your dictionary, tear that page out, because problems are not problems, there's situations and there's issues. Some of the situations can become challenges. And I feel that can be a gift behind every challenge or even an opportunity. So let's talk about challenges and let's talk about situations, not problems, okay? And, and that's my whole philosophy. And in order to tackle that, you have to think in one main way. Everybody has to be either smart, daring, and different. I hold up three fingers. And when I say smart, I don't mean a PhD from Harvard. I mean, you have to learn something new every day. You have to listen. You have to be contributory in this world. I mean, you have to be understanding, listen to everyone, learn something new, be, be aware of what's going on. And that's what I mean by being smart. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. You just have to be smart and pay attention. Daring, if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning anything. We learn from our mistakes. And I always say in a simple little way, if you painted something the wrong color the first time, paint it a different color. There's only plan A, okay? So you must learn from your mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't make the same mistake twice. But again, if you painted it the wrong color, 
change the color. And the last thing that's most important in our life is whatever you do, it must provide a benefit. If it doesn't provide a benefit, it's nothing more than a hobby. I think everyone should jot that down. You've got to be smart, daring, and different. And benefit is the most important thing because again, if it's not providing a benefit, it's nothing, it's a hobby. And whatever message you want to get across to someone, you've got to do it in the first eight seconds. because in this world, patience is not everyone's virtue. So, you know, I always say that goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. And most <laughs> people have an attention span of eight seconds. So you've got eight seconds to deliver your message. If it's interesting, people will say, tell me more. Because Einstein years ago said, if you can't explain what you do or what you have to say in one sentence or less, you don't understand it yourself. So... Think about what it is you have to say and get it out in eight seconds. Then explains what the benefits are. Then explain why you want to do this or why they should listen to you. But you can learn so much in that first eight seconds. I always say to myself, I refuse to have a battle of wits with an unarmed person. That's not fair, right? So, you know, we haven't even started yet, but those eight seconds got your attention. Here's, here's the thing that frightens most people today. In order to survive, you've got to be inventive. And when I say inventive, you have to reinvent yourself. Because we all have some kind of attribute. We all have some kind of capability. If you don't, you're just an amoeba. You don't even belong here because you're not contributing to this earth. You're just gobbling up some of the air. Okay, so you have to have some function, something that you accelerate. And maybe if that's not working in this today's society because of our pandemic, this is the time you have to think about what can I do to reinvent myself? How can I make things better? And making things better doesn't mean you have to be an inventor. And here's the big confusion. Ron, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you here because people don't, still don't know who you are. Let me just introduce you and we're going to get back to getting better. Okay, <laughs> I'm just Ron Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ron. Welcome back to the Alphas. Today we have a special, special guest. You heard him within eight seconds or a little more. He catch your attention. Who is Ron Klein? From his words, Ron Klein is an ordinary man. But his innovative ideas have changed the world. He is the inventor of the magnetic strip on the credit card, credit card validity checking system, and the developer of computerized systems for real estate. 
MLS, multiple listing services, voice response for the banking industry and bond quotation and trade information for the New York Stock Exchange. You all know him, more than you know, because we're all carrying him around. He invented the mighty strip behind your credit cards. And today, uh, he's done so many things. But today, Ron has accepted to be with us, to share his wisdom. Because as he said, we are living through challenging times. And the way for us to move forward, maybe to leverage about the time that we're being given here, it's to reinvent ourselves. Without any further ado, and you already know him. Mr. Ron Klein. Hi, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Dr. Bob. You know, that's my problem. I get started and I forget to say, oh, hi, hi, everybody. Over again. Everything I said before, I hope I think I we're going to keep the structure as is because this showing you to the people who you are. You don't mess around, you don't lose time. <laughs> uh, I think the most important thing we all own is the credibility of who we are. And the credibility is tell the story the way it is. If people aren't understanding you, you're not doing your job. So it's so important to really get your message across. For instance, I'm an inventor. I invented the magnetic strip on the credit card. And that was probably one of the simplest challenges I ever had in my life. I'll tell you about that. And then I invented and developed the multiple listing service for real estate, MLS. Probably a lot of people know about that. And then I developed the voice response system for the banking industry where you key in your information from the phone and it comes back in voice. And then I automated the New York Stock Exchange and developed the bond trading system. And so I, I did a lot of things because I saw a need and I developed things to provide a benefit because I was smart, daring, and different. Smart because I learned and listened as to what was around me. I learned new things every day. And I'll give you a sample of that. I simplify everything in my life. And I say, not everything is really an invention, even though it can turn into a patent. But for instance, when Thomas Edison invented illumination, they say he invented the light bulb. That was just a function. He invented illumination. He took a piece of wire, wrapped it around, put it in a vacuum, which is a glass tube. That was the bulb. Put some electricity in it. And the piece of wire just had enough resistance to glow red hot and give off light before it would burn open. Okay? If it would burn open, it's nothing more than a fuse. Okay? But the fact that it, he reached the limit of the electricity that went through that little piece of wire and it illuminated and made it bright. So the resistance of the wire determines the wattage. Okay. He invented illumination. What came after that was no more inventions, even though they were patented. It was things that made illumination better. Fluorescent tubes, which did not at all resemble the original electricity and tungsten light. Uh, LEDs are now out there. I mean, there's all different forms and enhancements of illumination. So that's innovation. People came up with innovative ideas as to how can I make it better? Give you another fancy example, example, a simple one. Ron Klein, 
came up with the idea for the magnetic strip on the credit card. I didn't invent the credit card. Back in 1964, some, a big department store came to me and said, we have a, a problem. And I said, no, nothing's a problem. It's a challenge. It takes too long to make a charge purchase because at that time it was just a piece of plastic with the person's name embossed on it and the credit card number. And they would give that information every month to the merchants and the merchants would have to look up the number in a big book of negative account numbers every month. So it took a long time. And then the, the, uh, the authenticity was on the wrong person. The, the manager or the merchant had to make the decision. So anyway, that was the problem. And I said, okay, it's not a problem. It's a challenge. And I can fix that. All I did was I said, let's take that little piece of credit card and record the number that is in that book every, every month that you give the people, the merchant, put that in some kind of big memory system. And in those days there was no internet, and, you know, it wasn't sophisticated, but put it in a big memory system. So that would speed things up and then give the merchant a little keypad connected to the memory system and he could key in the account number. And if it didn't come up in the memory system, they were good to go. And then he can, you know, scroll it and rub it and, and make the receipt. So that would speed things up, but it still put the burden on the merchant because he had to key in the number. And I said, no, nah, I can still simplify that somehow. And right around that time, because I pay attention, reel-to-reel -reel tape recorders came out. I don't know if anybody remembers that. They were two big reels of magnetic tape and the tape would go through a little reed head and you could put music on it, you could record voice and so on and so forth. And it was like, it looked like movie projector, but it was tape. So you could record, you could record things on it. That was back in the sixties. And I figured, wow, I know how that works. I'm an engineer. Okay, I'm a graduate engineer, and I'm familiar with that. If I could take a little piece of that tape, okay, I'm, I'm using innovation now. If I could take a little piece of that tape, record the account number on it, and then build a little device that mimics the tape reader, paste it on the back of the piece of plastic, and make you the motor. Okay, you put it in the little machine and make you the motor. You pass the tape through the little machine. Guess what? It worked. How simple was that? So now I solved the problem. I would speed things up. I performed credit checking and I took the burden off the merchant because the merchant didn't key information in. It was already on the little piece of tape. That was innovation. I didn't reinvent the, the credit card. I didn't invent magnetic tape. I used it in a different way and invented the magnetic strip on the credit card. Okay. If I was an engineer, so I knew how to do it. I came up with the idea. If I wasn't an engineer and didn't know how to do it, I would have hired an engineer and said, this is what I want you to do. How simple is that? So we talk about the law of abundance, we talk about the law of attraction, we talk about the law of the average. Money is important. I know it's important, but it's not the most important thing. You know that you will make money, whatever is gonna happen. Good for you. You have learned the first part of your script. Now the second part is being generous. 
is something that you can develop, but also to be generous. You need something to give. We're doctors, right? <laughs> Game on. We all have the means and the tools to be very generous. But how can you be generous if you don't have enough? It's hard, right? For those people who are thinking that I don't need money, good for you. Being a millionaire is not evil. Being a millionaire is mainly you have just learned to leverage yourself, doing what you do best. So when we talk about fun, you know that this is a game. It's a serious game, but it's a game. Play the game, but not the people. We all think that becoming rich, we will have set our soul. That's not true. You're wealthy. Realize that. Helping people. You're never evil. If I'm asking you to work a little more, just a little bit, doing what you do best, doing what you know best, keep helping people. But I'm going to show you how to leverage on it so you can become a millionaire one. You say no to that? That you were born for more. You don't have to work all your life to enjoy. You can do it right Just a little different. I'm not your back. Welcome to the office. A special series, The Innovators. Dr. Paul Ouellette is an orthodontist with 50 years in the dental field. He has created 30-plus dental clinics over the course of his career. He has created one of the first dental application at the launch of the iPhone. Now, in his 70s, he is looking to push COVID back with mobile dentistry, mobile imaging, and new sterilization protocols. A true visionary and entrepreneur of the dental field. The future is within reach. Don't miss Dr. Paul Willett on The Alpha Show, Sunday, November 8th at 11 a.m., live on all platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to The Alphas. The Alpha Show proudly present for the holiday special. From the Index Mansion, William Bach and Dr. Bach will be welcoming you into their world of imagination. Each week, to share hope and joy, William and Dr. Bach will be sharing a complete chapter of their library of books. William has 22 books to share with you. Dr. Bach has 72. Once a week, they will be taking you into their universe. William will be sharing each Saturday morning at 9 a.m., starting November 7th. Dr. Bach will be sharing each Thursday evening at 9 p.m., starting November 5th. Live on all platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Also streaming on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Together father and son, they wish the world a very happy holiday season. Love and happiness are joys beyond distance. A wonderful holiday season to all. Welcome to the Alphas.
I, I don't think that you give yourself enough credit because we talk about a credit card. This little piece of plastic contributes to expand our economy for the last 30 some years to what we, the, it is today. And we know that the economy today, it's much, much bigger than what it was before the internet. So what I'm trying to say here is thank you. Thank you for making our lives so easy and fast. And um, for those who just consume, maybe that would not be a blessing. You know, I, I had no idea at the time. I had to solve a, a situation. I won't call it a problem. I solved the situation and there was a gift behind that situation, a gift behind the challenge and an opportunity behind that challenge. I didn't know at the time it was going to affect billions of people. All I knew was I was solving the issue. Okay, so I don't walk around like this and say, oh, look who I am. I'm still the same guy, okay? And that's what's so important. Be humble, be realistic. And so then I moved on. Now, as many good things that happened for me, I made lots of mistakes too. And I learned very well from those mistakes. Let me just ask you, because you said that you move on. How can you move on from a huge victory like this and say that I'm going to reinvent myself again? Can you walk us through the process? I became known that I was an engineer that had an appreciation for the customer's needs and the engineering's needs. And engineers and technical people have great difficulty speaking to business people because they don't communicate very well together. It takes an entrepreneur, it takes somebody with creative mind to really think about, and someone with innovative ideas as to simplify it and make sure they both communicate. So my job was identify the situation. And where did I learn that? Not, it's not magical. I learned it in grade school. They taught me how to solve word problems. Oh, how do you solve a word problem? Well, the word problem was full of stuff all kinds of ancillary information. But I had to sift out in the word problem. What's the given? What's the solution we're looking for? Everything else in there was the minutia. It was the journey. It wasn't important. What's the given? What's the solution you're looking for? Simplify it. Then you get the answer. Then you go through the journey. Along in the journey, there might be some hurdles that you have to fix over and solve and look into but you have to identify the given and the solution you're looking for. And that was what I, how I approached every technical issue or everything that I wanted to do in business to make things better. So it just grew and grew and grew. So the National Board of Real Estate people came to me, the banking industry came to me, and then my opportunities really came about. Now, would you like to hear some of my biggest mistakes? Please. Are you sure? Am I staying on target? I don't want to put these people to sleep. You are giving us a lot of inspiration today. It's, it's a wake-up call. <laughs> what happened was my company started building rapidly. It was building rapidly because I had all these things coming to me. And the real estate industry came to me and I had to start building these little terminals. So in those days, in the late 1960s and early 70s, there was no thing called software or programming. 
you built everything with hardware, electronics, transistors and resistors and capacitors and things like that. You put on little circuit boards and then you manufactured the circuit boards and connected them together and they would perform functions. So my company grew very large employee-wise. I had manufacturing people to put the circuit boards together. I needed draftsmen to lay the circuit boards out. I needed engineers to design the circuits. And then I needed um, people, salespeople and so on and so forth. So my company grew large. I needed money. I went to investors. The investors came to me and said, all right, we'll have a private placement. We'll raise some money. So in 1967 or 68, 67, I raised three quarters of a million dollars. That was like $10 million today to fund this so I could pay my employees so we could grow because business was good, but I needed cash. It grew rapidly. And then it grew so fast that I went back to the investors and I said, I don't have enough money. It's growing too fast. And they said, well, okay, we'll take it public. I said, what do you mean public? I was a young guy. I had no idea. I, I grew up in the streets of Philadelphia. My dad was a mailman. My mom worked in a department store. I just got out of the army. You know, I was in the Korean War and, and I came back and I'm learning and I was an engineer, but I didn't know about public offerings. So they said, yeah, this is where we go on the exchange and raise capital. Okay. I didn't know anything about it. So I went to the library, got myself the 1934 Securities Act book, read it cover to cover, and I became an expert in S1 and S2 registrations and put together a prospectus. We raised $2 million. It was wonderful. Now the company really started to grow. Then I was approached by a very large insurance company. It said, we like what you're doing. We know what you need. We would like to buy you out. And I was starting to reach retirement age. I figured, hmm, this sounds good. I was 34 years old. 34 years old. Maybe it's time to retire. So I said, okay, I'll do the deal. They took over. They gave me options and so on and so forth. And I figured, this is terrific. I went down to the seashore. I fished for three days. And I figured, this is not me. I'm a working class person. I got to go back to, I got to go to work. I went, I have to do something. I went back to the company and I said, here's all my stock options back. Release me from my contract. I want to go back to work. And I said, I'm leaving. And they said, okay. So I kept the money, but I, I turned back my options. And then I figured, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to do. All I know is I don't want a lot of employees anymore. I learned one thing. I want to build some residual income. What can I do? So until I can figure it out, I'm going to represent other people's products and go back and start selling. One day, and here comes the, the hard part of the story. One day I went and sold and went and made a sales call on the Associated Press. They were friends of mine and I had called on them before trying to sell them some communication equipment. And while I was there, I saw on this guy's desk a bid sheet from Western Union. And I said, Paul, what is this? And he said, well, you know, we're in the teletype business. We have a lot of communications. We use a lot of teletypes, Twix and Telex. And that was the email of those days before the internet came out. It was these teletype machines made by Western Electric to 
communicate over telephone lines, typewriters and keyboards and printers and paper tape punches. And I said, wow, that looks interesting. They said, oh yeah, every week they put hundreds of machines up for bid, they refurbish them, and anybody that is in that business that needs them can come in and bid on them. And he said, you're welcome to the bid. He said, we got so much inventory now, we don't need any more. I said, really? He said, yeah, go take a look. It was 60 miles from my home in New Jersey, up in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I figured, okay, I'll go rent a truck. I'll go up to Allentown, Pennsylvania and see what they've got. I get up there. This was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life. They had 12,000 of old, old teletype machines that are in these steel cabinets, weighed hundreds of pounds each, that were used on battleships during the Second World War. And they were putting them up for sale. They refurbished them because they were going into the satellite business and they wanted to divest themselves of all the equipment. And I figured, wow, everybody knows what teletype equipment is. I could sell the parts for 50 cents of the dollar and be in the parts business for nothing. So I bid on 12,000 teletypes, pennies on the dollar. And guess what? I won 12,000 teletypes. Nobody else bid on them. And I'm scratching my head. Wow. This is, what kind of a deal is this? And then they said to me, okay, Ron, 4,000 of these machines are in a warehouse right here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. But you know, the other 8,000 are all over the country and they're in Dallas, they're in uh, California, they're in uh, uh, Chicago, and you have to take possession of these in 30 days. I said, what do you mean? Well, you've got, you got to get them out of here. They're in warehouses and they, you know, you've got the liability of taking them. I figured, oh my God, I didn't buy teletypes. I bought a liability of 8,000 of these machines all over the country. What the heck am I going to do with them? How do I get them? Where do I put them? So I bought myself the biggest liability and mistake ever. I was dumb. I should have checked where are they? Why aren't other people bidding on them? And I, the 4,000 was a great deal, but the 8,000 was a burnt burden. What do you do? I didn't know what to do. I'm young, I have no ideas. I called a junk man. Junk man came in and he said, hmm, what do you got here, son? And I said, I got a mess. I said, you gotta help me. He said, well, let's look these things over and see what we've got. He said, let's look in the bottoms of the cabinets and he said, they're loaded with circuit cards, electronics. I said, that's good, so what? He said, well, you know, all of these traces, they were used, all this stuff was used on battleships, mostly out at sea. And the traces and the, the scribing on the little circuit cards is all gold because they didn't want it to rust and gold was cheap and they didn't want it to rust out at sea and gold had great conductivity. So they didn't use tin or copper. He said, I could take all these hundreds of circuit cards out of a thousand machines, submerge them in a cyanide bath. He said, and it eats the gold off the boards and it surfaces to the top. We can skim off the gold, split it, and we'll be in good shape. I said, what? He said, do you want to do it? I said, I have no choice. <laughs> Smelted down all this gold, 
we were so fat in cash, it was coming out of our ears. I said, holy cheese, what a windfall. How to turn a catastrophic problem into an opportunity. However, now I had a serious problem because I had 8,000 pieces of junk. There was no electronics. It was keyboards, printers, paper tape punches. So I called the junk man back again. I said, now what do I do? He said, well, let's see what we have left. He said, nobody wants printers and keyboards and stuff. And how do we get rid of all that? He said, but the cabinets, he said, let me analyze the cabinets. He said, they were out at sea. He said, I noticed that the cabinets are loaded with chromium in the steel. I said, so what? He said, chromium keeps them from rusting. And Toyota is just, this was in the early 70s. He said, Toyota is just introducing their cars into the US and they're having a little bit of a rust problem in their steel. They would love to have chromium. I said, give it all to them for nothing. Bring in the ships and take it away. Toyota came in, took it away, took it off our hands, and now I was in business. That's how I turned a serious problem into an opportunity. COVID-19 has left us naked. We have our pants down and we, we won't prepare. And we're also in an industry that is very conservative. It's very hard to push it further. There's a lot of red tapes, risk, risk management. With this crisis, we have to change our ways, especially dentists. Everything cannot happen in a new war. Not everything, but everything we can get out of the dentist should get out into the chair. At the light of this crisis, we also know that sometimes it's better to keep a distance from a patient. The solution is obvious. We have to invest heavily into teledentistry, which telemedicine is doing at this stage. We have to make sure that the legal also follows. But this would be, in Amex way, the means to get the profession cheaper. The population has raised a voice, saying that we're too expensive. We're going to change all of that. But what we're willing to do as Amdex is to lead the wave of teledentistry and to cut the fees to the minimum. We're going to be accessible. We're going to be there to rebuild that trust. We're going to be there to create that bond that is missing. I'm Dr. Bat, CEO and founder of Index. I'll be there to answer all your questions. I'm more than open to discuss our ideas and also improvements upon them. And I will take a few minutes to thank the people who support us, our patients, our staff, and especially our mentors. Those are the people who has brought the experience on board, who has helped us to believe in our own ideas and to push further. I'm Dr. Bat, CEO and founder of Index. Hopefully, we partner soon. A special series, The Innovators. Dr. Paul Ouellette is an orthodontist with 50 years in the dental field. He has created 30-plus dental clinics over the course of his career. He has created one of the first dental application at the launch of the iPhone. Now in his 70s, he is looking to push COVID back with mobile dentistry, mobile imaging, and new sterilization protocols. A true visionary and entrepreneur of the dental field. The future is within reach.
Don't miss Dr. Paul Willett on The Alpha Show, Sunday, November 8th at 11 a.m., live on all platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to The Alphas. The Alpha Show proudly present for the holiday special. From the Index Mansion, William Bach and Dr. Bach will be welcoming you into their world of imagination. Each week, to share hope and joy, William and Dr. Bach will be sharing a complete chapter of their library of books. William has 22 books to share with you. Dr. Bach has 72. Once a week, they will be taking you into their universe. William will be sharing each Saturday morning at 9 a.m., starting November 7th. Dr. Bach will be sharing each Thursday evening at 9 p.m., starting November 5th. Live on all platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Also streaming on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Together father and son, they wish the world a very happy holiday season. Love and happiness are joys beyond distance. A wonderful holiday season to all. Welcome to the Alphas. You turn a problem by painting it a different color into an opportunity. And this all came about by reading a bit sheet. But the best thing that came about was after that. I had 4,000 machines in a warehouse. I hired a technician and I figured, okay, let's refurbish some of these machines. Let's sell off some of the parts. So I was in the parts business. I was selling them to RCA and ITT and all the people that use teletypes and it was doing pretty good. So I had one employee and myself and three months after this whole transition took place, I got a call from the New York Stock Exchange. what in the world do they want with me? They said, we called Western Union because we're expanding our trading floor operation. This was in the early 70s. We're going to, these, we use special teletype wall mount units on the trading floor as inquiry stations. And we discovered that you have them, Western Union has them, and they had 273 of them. And they said, we need those. We want to buy those for the trading floor operation. And Western Union said, we don't have those anymore. We sold them to a small little company in New Jersey. And they said, what's the name of that company? They got a hold of me and they said, hey, we understand you bought these teletypes. Do you have them in your stock? They were happened to be the ones that I had in Allentown, 273 of them. They said, are you interested in selling them? I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a full payout lease over two years make it easy for you to buy them. You can just lease them. And at the end of two years, you own them, providing you give me a maintenance contract to maintain them on the trading floor of the exchange for life, as long as they're in operation. And they said, certainly, we don't want to maintain them. I just got myself in a whole new business. <laughs> I was now in the maintenance business at the New York Stock Exchange. I hired another employee. He was from New York. I would go there every morning 
and make sure the machines worked. We kept a, kept a bunch of them as spares. I was charging $55 a month just to maintain them. And then I was renting them for a couple, I forget exactly how much I was renting them for. And they were paying those off in two years. I was making enough money that we were in business. And all of that came about from reading a bid sheet on the guy's desk, an opportunity. And then I started, because I had to be there every day, and if one of the machines would crap out, we would put in a spare. My technician would give me the machine, put it in the trunk of my car. I would take it back to my technician in New Jersey. He would fix it, and I'd take it back to the exchange next day. So I had a nice little thing going. While I'm there, I'm seeing all these opportunities, all these things I could automate. And I figured, wow, what opportunity. So I started offering them little deals on, on certain things, getting little contracts to fix. And I would hand that over to my technician or I hired a programmer to fix it. And I figured, what a great opportunity. Here comes the windfall opportunity, the big gift behind the opportunity. In 1983, I noticed that the bond trading floor was still an auction market. They were trading, the New York Stock Exchange trades equities, stock, and they trade corporate listed bonds, the debt. The stocks were automated. They were all traded automatically in the broker's offices. $2 brokers traded on the trading floor. The bonds were in an auction market. The guys were throwing their hands up and back and forth and on the phone bidding on, and it was totally an auction market. And I looked at it and I figured, why don't they automate this? So I went to the exchange and I said, I have an idea. I can very simply automate this like you did for the stocks. Why can't I automate this? And they said, Ron, they've been doing it like this for 205 years, they're not gonna change. And I said, if I can automate it, would you give me an exclusive license to be the only person to disseminate corporate listed bonds for Wall Street, New York member firms? They said, yeah, we'll give you that kind of contract because it'll never happen. These guys are never gonna stop trading auction wise. So I hired an engineer and hired a, a software guy. We bought this little box for a hundred bucks and he programmed it just to filter out the bonds. And we bought a video terminal and it worked. We could actually type in the bonds we were interested in. It would extract those bonds out and display them and they could trade them. And I figured, wow, if we ran out telephone lines to the bond traders offices on Wall Street, they could trade right upstairs. So I started making phone calls. To, there were 1500 bond traders on Wall Street that traded corporate listed bonds. And every time I would call them, if I wasn't buying or selling a bond, they would, they would say, who are you? <laughs> Hang up on me. Well, oh man, here goes another mistake. I spent all this time and effort and money in developing this thing. I can't sell it. So I befriended the, the leading bond trader on Wall Street, the manager of all the big bonds on the biggest firm. And I said, I'm going to give you a box and a video terminal in your office I'm going to run a telephone line. I'm going to pay for everything. Give it to you free for 30 days. Just try it. He said, okay. He said, what do I have to lose? He did it. And he was getting the information 
over the lines seconds before they were getting in on the trading floor. His phone rang off the hook. They're calling him and saying, Joe, we're, we're having trouble in the last two weeks. We can't buy or sell a bond. You're topping all the bids. What the heck are you doing? He said, oh, you need one of those little Ron Klein boxes. He shared that? He shared his edge. Yeah, they said, what's our Ron Klein box? He said, here's his <laughs> telephone number. Call him up. My phone rang off the hook. And they're saying, we need one of these Ron Klein boxes. And I said, okay, but you got to join my club. I figured, what an opportunity. I said, you got to join my club. And every trader has to pay me $10,000 membership just to join the club. All of them paid. They said, wow, that is expensive. They said, but we got to do it. Well, we can make that back in a couple of months. Okay. And I said, yeah, but you have to buy the box too and the video terminal. And they said, oh, no, we don't buy anything on Wall Street. We only rent equipment. Said, oh, rent. Okay. The box cost me $100 to build. The video terminal was 50 bucks. I said, how's $300 a month? Fantastic. That's great. It was in for a quarter of a century. How is that for a story? Because I read a, I read, I read a bid sheet on a guy's desk upside down and took advantage of an opportunity. Made mistakes along the way. Could have been catastrophic. But I turned a challenge into an opportunity. So I'm pretty sure that the story doesn't end here. I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> to what I did for 25 years in the leasing business at the New York Stock Exchange. Then it went into the Philadelphia Stock Exchange, the CBOE, it went into government bonds, and it just, it grew and grew and grew. And one of the things was, one of the things I failed at was retirement. I tried it three times and it didn't work because I was never empty. And um, up until the time that we decided to retire for a third time and come to Florida and relax, Barnina and myself, we came down to Florida and I figured, okay, I'm going to volunteer for some services. Well, that didn't work out too well. And while I was here, I figured, we can move into a senior residence and I can play bingo, but I don't like bingo and I'm not going to move into a senior residence. So I said, I got to go back to work. And I started coming up with some ideas and I developed a special app and adhesive labels for the blind where they can identify the things they come into contact with in their daily lives. And that worked out so well. I'm helping the blind identify with a simple thing using their cell phone and these little adhesive labels that they paste on whatever they want to identify, point their cell phone at it, and it reads them in voice what it is. From that, I started thinking about, wow, where can I go from here? And then developed a very sophisticated system that's in operation today, growing astronomically. It's going to revolutionize things. It utilizes QR codes in a special way that's a doorway the cloud in which you can put all kinds of your information to identify what it is that you do and have advertisements come alive and so on and so forth. But that's a whole different story. But it's a matter of innovation, not necessarily 
inventions. Are they inventions? I always say somebody who's an inventor sits like this in the think tank all day. What can I develop today that's different? No, how can I be innovative and be creative? How can I make things better? So you don't have to be an inventor, just be innovative. So what we are is a chance to keep the independence of this profession. The reason why we can take this drive and lead the change is because, for one, we understand that this is more than just profit. This is a society in rebuild. This has more implication than just taking market share, banking on profit and popularity. This is about creating a root, a deeper root with the organization, a deeper root with the community, and this is also why we have made sure that all our partners will be happy. And between you and I, we're saying that after 10 years, they're free to go. We are that confident that nobody will like to leave them next, unless they have personal reason that they have to move and change country. For people who be changing cities inside of uh, the same country, we are thinking that this can be an easy swap. You swap in your share of MDEX on one side, and then we swap that back on the other side where you want to practice. It will take you maybe a few months to readjust, but you're not building back from scratch. To all the dentists partnering up with us, you have a partner. It's just like renting a car. Of course, if you just want to cut your contract, you will have some penalties to face, but you're not alone. To the bankers looking at us and the people who are lending in the money, you know that a dentist can have ups and downs. We never know what life will bring. But unless there's another COVID pause like this one, it is very unlikely that the whole industry will just stop. And this is what we are, the foundation of an industry. A special series, The Innovators. Dr. Paul Ouellette is an orthodontist with 50 years in the dental field. He has created 30-plus dental clinics over the course of his career. He has created one of the first dental application at the launch of the iPhone. Now in his 70s, he is looking to push COVID back with mobile dentistry, mobile imagering, and new sterilization protocols. A true visionary and entrepreneur of the dental field. The future is within reach. Don't miss Dr. Paul Ouellette on The Alpha Show, Sunday, November 8th at 11 a.m., live on all platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Welcome to The Alphas. The Alpha Show proudly present for the holiday special. From the Endex Mansion, William Bach and Dr. Bach will be welcoming you into their world of imagination. Each week, to share hope and joy, William and Dr. Bach will be sharing a complete chapter of their library of books. William has 22 books to share with you. Dr. Bach has 72. Once a week, they will be taking you into their universe. William will be sharing each Saturday morning at 9 a.m., 
starting November 7th. Dr. Bach will be sharing each Thursday evening at 9 p.m., starting November 5th. Live on all platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Also streaming on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Together father and son, they wish the world a very happy holiday season. Love and happiness are joys beyond distance. A wonderful holiday season to all. Welcome to the Alphas. So with everything that you've done, you still not considering yourself an inventor? You still think that you're just an innovator? Yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get patents and I'm awarded for making changes and making improvements. In other words, an invention has to be novel and it has to provide a benefit and it has to be not just methodology, but it has to provide benefit and have an advantage over what already exists. So there's lots of things Look at a paper clip. How many different ways are there to attach a piece of paper? Staples, paper clips, this kind of clip, that kind of clip, glue, uh, all, all, all kinds of things. And they're all improvements and enhancements over and above what already exists. But it's not, you're not reinventing how to attach two pieces of paper. You're reinventing how to make it better in a more novel way. So people have to think about how to be innovative, not inventive. Reinvent yourself with innovation. Yeah, I like to come to this because we started this discussion, you and I, with the fact that we are living to challenging times and most people have to reinvent themselves. So if we, we're going to just boil it back to something specific, with all the internet on, the, the time that we have on our hands, and the, the fact that everybody's looking for more or less the same thing, because as need, we've all been confined. Um, what would you give as an advice to people that are watching us to reinvent themselves? What would Ron Klein do today? <laughs> Most important is to simplify, which is extremely important, okay? Simplify whatever there is. Don't look at anything that you're involved with today as a problem. Look at it as a situation. It's either an issue or a situation. Is it a situation that you can do something about? Can you turn that situation into a challenge, helping yourself and helping others? Can you contribute? And take the simplest thing and turn it into a challenge and look for that gift behind the challenge and how you can make it better. I've been there more than once. Most people will say that I have this idea, I can make it work, but when, as soon as I go to the people with money or resource, they will turn me down. You have that more than once, and we heard the story, but how do you get over that challenge of those no's? There's always somebody that has the capability of helping you with finances, with um, advice, I guess that's a, that's a good point too. You want to always take advice, not people's opinions. And I, I 
and I quote Greg Reed on this, advice comes from people who have done things before and have wisdom and knowledge. Opinions come from Aunt Martha who will tell you you can't do it because she never did it before, okay? So you don't want people's opinions, you want people's advice. But if you have an idea and you know how you can improve something or you feel it has a, it could provide a benefit, but you don't know where to start, you go to people who will give you good strategic advice. I'm only, only willing to help anybody who would come to me I would give them good advice. If people need financing, there's ways to raise capital. There's all different ways. There's funding and capital and advice out there for those that want it. Don't be fearful of making mistakes. There's all ways of protecting your ideas and your interests. So you don't have to be a giant to say that I've got inherent protection. There's non-disclosure letters that are available and they're called NDAs. There's provisional patents that you can put together for pocket change under a couple hundred dollars where you can put the patent together and it gives you protection for a year so you can talk to people about it and it becomes patent pending and it's so easy to file non-sophisticated and you don't need an attorney for that so there's ways to really seek help but you have to seek out advice and there's people that are willing to give advice uh, i'd love people to go on my website so they become a little bit more familiar with me and then if they call me, I can tell them more about what I'm doing today in this very sophisticated thing called Envision Eli, uh, this uh, uh, communication system that I'm building. And that's out there. But my website is thegrandfatherofpossibilities.com. So that was my next question for people who like to know more about you this website but is there any seminars is there any books uh, how can they have more of ron klein i have a book called the grandfather of possibilities that my wife wrote she's a great writer and an author she wrote my biography that leads up to pretty much the stories that i've told so far and lots of other information that's on amazon that can be acquired very easily and I am going to give out my cell phone number, but if somebody would like to <clears throat> call me or I'm going to give out my, e my uh, email address too, that if they have something they'd like to talk about, I'll give them a few minutes. We can discuss it. And if I think it has merit where we should take it further, we can do that. So my cell phone number, you can jot this down, folks. is 941-374-5739. And I'm in Florida, that's Eastern time. And if you want to email me, it's Ron Klein, that's R-O-N-K-L-E-I-N at the number four, ronkline.com. 
So it's Ron Klein at four, ronklein.com. Send me an email. Be glad to respond back to you. Usually people who give the cell phone on air or people who are trying to sell you something, you are providing help. I have to ask you, how is it and why is it that you're so generous with your time, with yourself, and you keep, people think that if you give, you, you are missing something or you're losing something. And look at you and it's like, the more you give, the more you, you, you feel wealthy. I'm 85 years old. That's a milestone, okay? To be 85 and still willing to contribute means that my maker put me here for a purpose. So if I have a purpose, I have to, I have to provide that purpose. I have to satisfy it. And I, uh, I spent time in the Korean War and managed to come back. I did come back with a Purple Heart. So I'm, I'm here for a reason. I have had some serious accidents along the way in my life and uh, didn't know if I was gonna make it. And the most recent thing that happened to me in the last eight years is I had a heart attack and survived that. So for some reason or other at 85, I still have a purpose and I'm not empty yet. So whoever I can help, I'm, I'm willing to do it. Think in everybody's name, thank you so much for your wisdom, for your generosity, but for your kindness. I think this is something that we need more and more today um, to be open to one another and to help one another. Thank you for the guidance. That's what's needed. That's what's needed. Remember, you've got to be smart, daring, and different. <laughs> and, and, you know, not a PhD. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. And you have to provide benefits. <laughs> then you're a winner. It is intense. It is dense. But I have to ask you, now that you have tell the world that you're 85 and there's still so much more in front of you, what is or what are your hopes for the future? My hopes for the future is that everyone here on earth contributes somehow, some way, and just doesn't have an entitlement reaction and an entitlement response where they think they're supposed to get for the reason of just receiving. Be a contributor. That's what's so important. Help, help the other, help someone else. I don't say do everything for nothing, but help someone else by helping yourself. Be a contributor. And I think that's what's important. And always smile. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop smiling. So here's the message. If you want some help from Ron Klein, make sure you're helping others. Make sure you're making the world a better place. And you have his cell phone number. Believe it or not, I didn't have it before today. <laughs> Ron, thank you so much. Sounds like I'm polite. I'm not. It is from the bottom of my heart. I've met with a lot of people. I've met with a lot of people, but... This it was so genuine, 
it was so um, compassionate, and I can I can feel the the fiber of passion behind each of your words. I'm looking at the time, and I don't want to end here, so I would like to ask you, what's next? Well, you know, I think what most people have to do is practice a little bit of humility. If you have if you have credibility, it'll automatically be known. You don't have to tell people about it. In other words, practice humility. Credibility is the most important thing we own and protect it. To walk around with a megaphone telling everybody who you are or what you've done and that you're such a big deal, that's not being humble. And nobody's interested in that. People are interested in those that have credibility and they're honest, and they you can build a relationship with them. There's not enough people that have that, and that's what's so important. Think about the most important thing we own personally is credibility. If you don't have credibility, what do you have? Oh, so much wisdom and kindness. And I know I'm repeating myself, but this has to be said. Mr. Klein, thank you so much for taking the time. Ron, thank you so much for being that genuine um, with all of us. And I hope that in the near future, you, you might be accepting another invite to tell us what you've done since. You have his phone number at home. Call him. Ron Klein, the father of possibility, is there to help you reinvent yourself, for you to reinvent the world and make it a better place for all of us. Mr. Klein, thank you so much for your time and dedication. Thank you, Dr. Bach. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
now 